I love just looking at you when we start. <laughs> I love it. Hi, everybody. I'm a guy. I'm a bride. And we're going to read a Bible. Uh, thanks for listening to our podcast. It actually is a podcast if you are hearing us. Hopefully it's on either Google Podcast or Spotify or Amazon or Anchor. Apple. Or Apple. We love you, Apple. Apple's big dog. Remember to uh, give us your... Like and subscribe. Five-star rating and a little little blurb and share us with somebody. Um, not for our sake, but for the sake of those who need a new habit of reading an old and timeless book. We love the Bible, and we love how it is impacting us personally and our marriage. It's fantastic. I think about... Uh, when we have too busy of a day or we're too exhausted because we have long days and we miss it like we did and we come back to today and we set aside time to make sure we read it it's gonna be a little longer because we missed it we don't want you guys to miss it hopefully you didn't but we get to read more hi how you doing they can't see the nod i'm I'm good tired good tired but good Mm -hmm. We are educators in the throes of our busy season. (laughs) But my fourth graders are so much better than your college kids. Hey, what if they listen? I'm throwing shit. I love y'all. Love y'all. Love y'all too. And you know I feed you breakfast burritos. Oh. Hey. You better do that. Oh, I'm not a chef anymore. Maybe I'll just write about it. Okay. So, let's pray. Mm. Oh, do you want me to say what we're going to read first? Oh, All right, so here we go. Keith, Susan. 1 Samuel 28, 29, and 30. Three chapters in 1 Samuel. Psalm 37, 38. Daniel 9 and 10. And Luke 6, 17 through 7, 35. If you just took a breath and said, why are they reading six chapters? From all these books. Number one, it's the Bible. <laughs> we're we're going to read it because it's the Bible. Oh my gosh. Well, that makes sense. Oh my gosh. And why not? If you got time to read more than a verse, read the chapter. And this is two days worth. It is two days worth. Because Our yesterday just... was the first day of school. Yes. And we want to draw into the Lord. Mm. We want to see what happened. Back then, and how we need to apply it to today. But we're going to talk about things that it hits us in the face. I'll be reading from the Lexham uh, English Bible online from bible.faithlife.com. Not sponsored. It has fantastic helps and commentaries and stuff. That's why I use it. And what are you reading, my bride? The Ryrie Study Bible, New American Standard. You have way more energy than me. I could probably do. I didn't have a bad day. It was great. You know, after you had your chef day at work, yeah, you would need to come home and take a nap every day. True story. Three and o'clock. I might not be this awake at nine. True. I was getting up at four in the morning. That's what I'm saying. This is like pretty cool. Pretty cool. And I really like. I know it's super, super, super cheesy, but I really like that we do mornings together now. True. We make coffee together and get up and. I made you coffee today. You made me hot water. It was great. <laughs> Have you ever had that? Have you guys ever had Babe, that? Babe, I set the coffee thing. for us for in the morning. Oh, crap. 
He's like, I didn't even hear you do the beans. I was like, yeah, I ground the beans. Didn't put them in the coffee maker. Yeah. But it was okay. But we got to have coffee. We got to yell at children. I didn't yell at anybody. Well, I'm just saying it wasn't like, we don't have like this peaceful morning because it's like, come on, come on. Times of the essence. Come on. Yeah. That's right. But I, I really like more time. If you're a parent, listen to this, of anybody from sixth grade and younger, you know what we're talking about. All right, let me read. This is. Pray. Oh, pray. We got to pray just to pray. make it today. Pray. That's why we pray. 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 That's all we're going there. Okay. So, for those of you who know, MC Hammer, back in the day. Love you, my Hammer. Love you, Love the Hammer. Okay. On staff at Jubilee Church. In uh, San Jose. Feel free to join us anytime. What up, Hammer? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that we get to be here reading your word. We are so grateful we have it at our fingertips. We have it in our laps. We have it on our shelves. We can listen to podcasts with it. That's the the freedom we have in Christ and, and where we live. We pray tonight for our minds to be opened and our hearts to respond to your word. Give us some insight today uh, as we read, Lord, something we've missed or something we need to remember. Um, Dial it up for those who are joining us. We pray a blessing on them for a hunger in their hearts. And may your word mend their hearts closer together as uh, married couples. For those who are engaged, may this be a time where they can um, learn about each other through your word. And for all those who are neither or both, um, Lord God, we just pray for anybody who listens to this, that they would know you better today because of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Keith's and Susan's turn it to 1 Samuel 28. Now, in those days, the Philistines gathered their forces for war to fight against Israel. So Ahish said to David, Certainly, you realize that you must go out with me and the army, you and your men. David said to Achish, Very well, you will know that what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, Very well, very well, very well, very well. I will make you my bodyguard for life. If I'm David, I'm thinking it's going to be a short life because I'm going to put my sword right through your head. But that's not written in here, so I'm pretty sure it didn't happen. Verse 3. Now Samuel had died. And all Israel had mourned him. We read that a couple chapters ago. Mm-hmm. And they had buried him in Ramah, his hometown. And Saul had expelled the witches. Some Bibles might say, but the actual Hebrew here means medium. The mediums and the soothsayers from the land. When are you going to get it, dude? <clears throat> I know. Oh, then, no, he had removed from yeah, the land. He expelled them. He, took, okay. he actually... If they didn't leave willingly, took them out. Then the Phil, probably with the spear. Okay, stop. The spear. Then the Philistines assembled and came and encamped in Shunem. So Saul assembled all of Israel, except for David. He, oh, and they encamped in Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And Saul inquired of Yahweh, but Yahweh didn't answer. <laughs> Ooh, wonder why. Not by dreams, nor by the Urim, or by the prophets, 
just so you know the Urim, U-R-I-M, it is a device for re revealing God's decisions. Exodus 28, Numbers 27, Nehemiah 7, Proverbs 16. It is a tool of the priests. So Saul said to his servants, search for me a woman who is a medium or a necromancer so that I may go to her and inquire of her. His servants said to him, uh, look, there is a woman who is a medium, but she is an indoor. This is not the Ewok moon for the Star Trek fans, or Star Wars fans, sorry. So Saul disguised himself, put on other clothes, and he went with two of his men. And they came to the woman by night, and they said, please consult a spirit for me through the ritual pit, and bring up for me the one whom I tell you. What? Are you, are you like tripping on this right now? This is like Halloween stuff. Verse 9. But the woman said to him, Look, you know what Saul did, and he did, how he exterminated the mediums and the soothsayers from the land. Why are you setting a trap for my life to kill me? Then Saul swore to her by Yahweh. As Yahweh lives, you will not be punished for this thing. So the woman asked, Well, who shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice, Eek! And the woman said to Saul, Why did you deceive me? You are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up from the ground, or a divine being, a spirit. And then he said to her, what is his appearance? And she said, an old man is coming up, and he is wrapped in a robe. And then Saul realized it was Samuel. And he knelt with his face to the ground, and he bowed down. And Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Paul said, I am in distress. Saul. The, oh, sorry. Saul said, I am in distress. And for the Philistines are about to make war against me. But God has turned away from me and he does not answer me anymore. Not by the prophets, not by dreams. So I called to you to let me know what I should do. And Samuel said, why did you, do you ask me, since Yahweh has turned away from you and has become your enemy? Yahweh has done to you just as he spoke by my hand. Yahweh has torn the kingdom from your hand and has given it to your neighbor David. Because you did not obey Yahweh and did not carry out the fierce anger of his wrath against Amalek. Therefore, Yahweh has done this thing to you today. And Yahweh will also give Israel with you into the hands of the Philistines. And tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. And Yahweh will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. And then Saul immediately fell prostrate to the ground. He was very afraid because of the words of Samuel. There was no more strength in him. He did not eat food all day and all night. Then the woman came to Saul and realized that he was absolutely terrified. So she said to him, Look, your female servant has obeyed you. I have risked my life. I have listened to your words that you have spoken over me. 
So then you also please listen to the voice of your female servant and let me set before you a morsel of bread so that you can eat, so that you will have strength when you go on your way. But he refused and he said, I will not eat. However, his servants urged him and the woman did too. So he listened to what they said and he got up from the ground and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fattened bull calf in the house. So she quickly slaughtered it and took flour, kneaded dough, and baked him some unleavened bread. She brought it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. Then they got up and went away that very night. Pause. Or do you want me to keep going? Uh, I only have like one note. Okay. Um, for verse 12, when she shrieked. Yeah. It says, the woman, the medium shrieked with fear when Samuel himself actually appeared rather than some spirit that would impersonate him. Correct. On this occasion, God miraculously permitted the actual spirit of Samuel to speak and announce Saul's imminent death. The medium's cry of astonishment shows that this appearance was not the result of her usual tricks. Correct. I thought that was kind of a cool. Yeah, I was actually going to address that very thing. Um, I have studied this chapter a lot. Oh, okay. I really have. Um, and matter of fact, it's even touched on in Michael Heiser's book, The Unseen Realm. I bet. He goes into that. I've heard uh, from all the way back in the day, if you got any old timers listening, Dr. Walter Martin of the Bible Answer Man has a wonderful teaching on this as well when he's talking about um, mediums in a couple of his um, uh, sermons. It comes down to this. When people today go see palm readers, mediums, psychics, mm -hmm. right? You're going to get two types of people who are the medium psychics. Mm -hmm. Number one, you're going to get the liar. Yep. Who's the con. They got nothing. They can read people and they can take your money. Mm -hmm. That's it. There's probably more of them than the other kind. And the other kind of medium is those who actually do practice witchcraft, black arts, and they do That's communicate scary. with the demonic. Scary. So what they don't communicate with are spirits of the dead. They communicate with demonic spirits. Right. So this spirits woman... The dead can't. That's correct. So, this was a special case for a very special reason. Because there's nothing in the Bible that says spirits of the dead can communicate, right? Well, not specifically, but God actually forbids it in Deuteronomy. He says, don't do this. Don't go to a medium. Do not go to mediums. Do not consult don't those who consult the dead. Don't play with fire. Don't do this. So, when Saul, we don't have, actually have the account when Saul started expelling them out. Um, or what his motivation was, other than obedience to Yahweh, perhaps. But when he, he goes to her, she starts conjuring up Samuel. We saw that really uh, intricate, detailed account. She was expecting her familiar spirit, that basically her partner in crime in the spiritual realm. Something that she would have recognized by presence, that demonic presence. And she would have then been given close to real information, but fake enough to make it convincing. But she didn't. She actually witnessed the real spirit of Samuel coming out. And that was only allowed by Yahweh to come forth so that Samuel's spirit could again pronounce Saul's demise, his judgment. The resulting response from her indicates that it was really Samuel because she was so terrified. She wasn't surprised it worked. She was surprised it was Samuel. 
she was used to it working. That's a big, big stinking deal. Um, so a cautionary tale for sure. If you are a person listening to this that has issues with dealing with astrology or crystals or um, talking to dead loved ones or what have you, be cautioned here and now that the word of God says do not do that. Do not tease it. Do not think about doing it. You are replacing life with God for life with the dead. That's the cautionary tale. Little Hebrew here in 28.13 when she says, I see a God. It's lower G. And that word is Elohim. And a lot of people think Elohim is the name of God. It's not. It's a title. In this case, it's lowercase e. And it's often translated as God or gods. And in this time, it's translated in the lowercase g in its context. And it's because Samuel looked like he was an Elohim by his appearance. Okay? I just wanted to touch that. Saul was completely taken off guard by the judgment. But I kind of picture him a little whiny, trying to figure out what to do. Because I, th- I think he knew his time was up. He was scared to death. Here we go. Samuel 29. Now the Philistines assembled all the forces at Aphek, and Israel was camped at the spring that is in Jezreel. The rulers of the Philistines were passing on according to hundreds and thousands. Woo! David and his men passing on at the rear of Achish. Then the commanders of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines, Is this not David, a servant of Saul, the king of Israel, who has been with me forty days and years, for days and years? I have not found anything threatening in him for the day of his desertion until this day. But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him, and they said, Send the man back so that he might return to his place where you've assigned him. But he will not go down with us into the battle so that he does not become an adversary to us in the battle. By what could this fellow make himself favorable to his Lord? By what? Is it not with the heads of these men? Is it not David, about whom they sing and dance, saying Saul has killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands? So Achish called David and said to him, As Yahweh lives, certainly you were honest, and I am pleased to have you marching with me. In the campaign, for I have not found any wrong in you from the day you came to me until this day. But in the eyes of the rulers, you are not good. So then, return and go in peace, so that you do not do something that displeases the rulers of the Philistines. And David said to Achish, But what have I done? And what have you found in your servant from the day that I entered your service until this day, that I should not go and fight against the enemies of my lord and king? And Achish answered and said to David, I know that you are good in my eyes, like an angel of God. However, the commanders of the Philistines have said, You must not go up with his servant, or with us, into the battle. So then rise early in the morning, you and the servants of your Lord, who came with you. When you rise early in the morning, and there's light enough for you to leave, get so David set out early, he and his men, to leave in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. But the Philistines went up to Jezreel. We're going to keep going. Chapter 30. Now when David and his men came to Ziklag, 
On the third day, the Amalekites had raided the Negev and the Ziklag. And when they attacked Ziklag, they burned it with fire. They took captive the women who were in it, from the youngest to the oldest. They did not kill anyone, but carried them off and went on their way. When David and his men came to the city, they saw that it was burned to the f- with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised up their voices and wept until there was not enough strength in them to weep. Two of David's wives had been taken captive. Oh, snap. Ahinoam and Abigail were kidnapped. I forgot this part. Dum, dum, dum. This is, can you feel the tension here? Can you hear that, like, that mm-hmm. John Wayne music playing? Mm-hmm. It's about to get real, son. And David was in a precarious situation. For the people spoke of stoning him. For the souls of all the people were bitter. Each one over his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in Yahweh his God. When David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Please bring the ephod here for me. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired of Yahweh, saying, Should I pursue after this band of raiders? Will I overtake them? He said to, them, he said to him, Pursue them. For you will certainly overtake them, and you will certainly rescue them. So David went, he and 600 men who were with him, and they came to the Wadi Besor, but the rest remained. David pursued, he and 400 men, but 200 men stayed because they were too exhausted to pass over the Wadi Besor. When they found an Egyptian man in the open country and brought him to David, and they gave him food and he ate, he also, and they also gave him water. They gave him a slice of fig cake, yum, two raisin cakes, and he ate, and this revived him. Because he had not eaten food or drank water for three days and nights. Then David said to him, To whom do you belong? From where are you? David said, I am an Egyptian young man, the servant of an Amalekite man. But my master abandoned me because I became ill three days ago. We raided the Negev of the Karathites and that which belongs to Judah. And then the Negev of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag with fire. So David asked him, Will you take me down to this band of raiders? Swear to me by God that you will not kill me and that you will not deliver me into my master's hand. Then I will take you down to this land. So he took him down and there they were spread out over the surface of all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because all of the abundant plunder which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. When David attacked them from the twilight until the evening of the next day, Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David was in a 24-hour fight. That's insane. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken. David also rescued his two wives. None of theirs was missing from the smallest to the greatest, not even sons or daughters. From the plunder up to everything they had taken for themselves, David brought back everything. And David took all of the sheep and the cattle they drove along in front of that livestock, and they said, This is David's plunder. Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow David, that had uh, left them behind at the Wadi Besor. They went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. David came near with the people and asked them how they were doing. Then all the corrupt and useless men among the men who went with David reacted and said, 
Because they did not go with us, we will not give them anything from the plunder which we recovered, except each man may take his own wife and children. They must take them along and go. But David said to them, You should not do so, my brothers. With what Yahweh has given to us, he has preserved us and has given the raiding band that came against us into our hand. And who would listen to you regarding this matter? For as the share of the one who went down into the battle, so the share of the one who remained with the baggage will be. They will share alike. So from that day and beyond, he made it a rule and a regulation for Israel until this day. Then David came to Ziklag, and he sent some of the plunder to the elders of Judah, to his friends, saying, Here is a gift for you from the plunder of the enemies of Yahweh. It was for those in Bethel, for those in Ramoth of the Negev, for those in Jatir, for those in Aror, for those in Sifmoth, for those in Eshtemoa, for those in Rakal, Rakal, for those in the towns of Jerahemelites, for those in the towns of Kenites, for those in Horma, for those in Bor Ashan, for those in Ethach, Ethach, for those in Hebron, and for all the places where David and his men had roamed. <sighs> that was it. Am I doing 31? I don't think. Nope. Nope. Um, so much going on. That was so Western-like. I started to fade a little bit. Can you kind of... I'll recap. Just recap 30. Okay, recap. So the king of the Philistines, his people are like, hey, we don't want David with you because David is going to wind up getting down there and he loves Israel. He's going to come on, he's going to flip sides. He's going to take, join up with the Israel army, turn the tide of the battle, and he's going to take your head. We don't trust him. We don't like him. Send him away. You're not talking about 30. You're talking about 29. No, I'm, I'm setting it up. Okay. So they do that. He goes, listen, David, listen, buddy, I love you. Love you like a brother. I'm glad you're here with me. I trust you. You're a good guy. They don't like you. So I got to send you away. What? Yeah, you got to go. So could you bounce? David goes, yep, we'll bounce. We'll head back. So they're actually on their journey back to the Philistines, not looking for trouble. David and 600 of his closest friends. And then as they're traveling, they come across their cities where they actually had their people hanging out, Abigail and all the others. So they, their people, this is basically where David was holed up. And they didn't know who did it. So they went tracking all the foot, you know, all the horses and whatever. So they're tracking and they come across a one guy laying in the desert. Turns out he's not dead. Clearly an Egyptian. So once they revive him and they get the report, hey, who are you? Where are you from? What's going on? Well, I was with this group of guys and, you know, um, I was left for dead because I got sick. But uh, we raided these cities and we took all their stuff. We didn't kill anybody. We took all the seven burned down the cities. Um, so David's like, hey, uh, brother, that was my stuff. It's my wife. I need you to take me to where they're at right now. Takes David down. There they are. They're the ones throwing the party. And it was. It was a party. They were like drinking and dancing. Not his wife. The people that took Correct. Him. They were celebrating their victory. Okay. They were probably even worshiping their false god. So David's like, what time is it? Uh, it's sundown. I think it's butt whooping time. So David and 400 men, because 200 stayed behind. David and 400 men just crashed the party and took them out. Grabbed all their stuff, headed back home. And at the end of it all, once they grabbed all their stuff, 
David made sure that even the men who didn't fight, but who stayed behind with all their gear, got the same reward as the other guys because they're all one team. Ta-da! Um, That's the short version. We um, have all seen many movies like this, by the way. Did um, they spare the guy that brought them there? Um, actually, it doesn't say one way or another, but I would imagine they probably did. I hope they did, because... <clears throat> he did them a solid. Yep. All right. Lots of blood again. Psalm 37 and 38. All right. You know really cool? We're doing Samuel, and we're doing Psalms, and I couldn't be happier. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, 37 is a wisdom psalm. David uses a series of proverbial expressions to exhort the righteous to trust in the Lord which will cause them to inherit the land and to not fret about the wicked who will be rooted out from the earth. This psalm is an alphabetic acrostic, every second verse beginning with successful letters of the Hebrew alphabet. That's so just, cool. If there's like commentary for the very first verse, I usually read it just because then we're starting off on the same page. Do not fret means do not be incensed, angry, or indignant. Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers. For they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. I love verse 3. It's one of my favorites. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while and the wicked man will be no more, and you will look carefully from his place for his place, and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and bent the bow to cast down the afflicted and the needy, to slay those who are upright in conduct. Their sword will enter their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. Better is a little of the righteous than the abundance of many wicked, for the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord sustains the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the time of evil, and in the days of famine they will have abundance. But the wicked will perish, and the enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of the pastures. They vanish. Like smoke, they vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives. For those blessed by him will inherit the land, but those cursed by him will be cut off. Turn in pages. The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. When he falls, he shall not be hurled headlong. Before the Lord, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his descendants begging bread. All day long, he is gracious and lends, and his descendants are blessing. Depart from evil and do good, so you will abide forever. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his godly ones. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. I like that one. 30 is really good. The law of the Lord, 
of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked spies um, upon the righteous and seeks to kill him. The Lord will not have him in his hand or let him be condemned when he is judged. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I have seen a wicked, violent man spreading himself like a luxuriant tree in its native soil. Then he passed away, and lo, he was no more. I sought for him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man, and behold the upright. For the man of peace will have a posterity, but transgressors will be altogether destroyed. The posterity of the wicked will be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is the strength, their strength in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. A beautiful, beautiful song. So I already said one is don't be incensed, angry, or indignant. So verse two, in Palestine, vegetation withers even more quickly, illustrating the brevity of life. Commit your way in verse five. Roll your way. Um, inherit the land is the land of Canaan. And then it's summary of 22. Um, 37.5, a sluggard may be reduced to begging. 25. Um, I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. Um, 30, the mouth gives evidence of one's character. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. And then 35, I have seen a wicked, violent man spreading himself like... Is, did he something about Saul there? Um, that, or maybe uh, at least part of it. The wicked appeared no, to be, I never thought about that. The wicked appeared to be indestructible like a luxuriant tree in its native soil. Mm. I just thought, because we've been reading about how Saul was wicked. He was violent. Yeah. He was... I don't think David had a short list on yeah. wicked guys in his life. I think I he had think plenty to choose from. Because we're kind of there right now. Yeah, yeah I think that between the Philistines and Saul, uh, he's got a lot of people. Yeah. Absalom, I mean, I don't know when this was written. I don't know if he's a dad yet. Okay. Definitely. Okay, Psalm 38. The hold, Psalm... it. hold it, hold it. I'm sorry, babe. I know you're tired. I got something, I got something, I got something. I really do got something. This is one... Um, that I have in my life, I've um, seen it be taken out of context a lot, and I just wanted to touch on it. I did not want it to go away. Um, right up here at the beginning. Do, do, do. Um, here we go. Sorry. Delight yourself in the Lord, who give you the desires of your heart. I'm looking for the exact verse here, and I'm sorry, guys. I should have highlighted it because I'm using a different translation. Um... I wanted to just, um, there it is, in verse 4. My translation actually says, Take pleasure in Yahweh as well, and he will give you, give to you the requests of your heart. Um, but you know what? If we, that's, that's not a complete thing, because David has a complete thing. From verse 3 through verse, I would say, probably could go into 6, but let's go 3, 4, and 5 as one thought. Trust in Yahweh and do good. Abide in the land and feed on faithfulness, or that is God's faithfulness. Take pleasure in Yahweh as well, and he will give to you the requests of your heart. Commit to Yahweh, or roll up the things up to Yahweh. Trust also on him, and he will act. 
then he will bring forth your righteousness like light and your justice like noonday. This is a whole section here of um, just passing along the, the transformation of our hearts. Trust in the Lord. Take pleasure in the Lord. Commit to the Lord. We do those parts, trust and take pleasure and commit. We become changed. We don't get things that we want unless we have that intimate relationship with Yahweh. So I wanted to point that out because that's a really big deal. It gets taken out of context a lot. Like people just think God's a genie. This is the third time today I've had this kind of conversation. God's not a genie. He is a, a transformational God. He's a transformational father. He wants to transform us to be more like him. Just wanted to touch on that. Um, and that's really about it. So moving on to verse chapter 38. Prayer of repentance. The psalm falls into three divisions, each beginning with an address to God. The first describes the sufferings from sin, the second, the loneliness of sin, and the third, the confession of sin. Like other penitential psalms, like Psalm 6, this lament focuses on David's sin and God's chastening as the cause of David, as the cause of the distress. For a memorial in the superscription, it says, see note on Psalm 70. And now I gotta just see what that note is about memorial. You love that little tease, don't you? Well, why not just say what it is, you know? Um, the yeah, Hebrew word used here for remembrance is zakar. And that could suggest the psalms in remembrance of something functioning as a type of memorial or use of memorial offering. That's what mine says. Urgent prayer for help. Um, reference to laying a petition before God for his attention and action. 911 call? Yeah. Okay. Okay. O Lord, rebuke me not in your wrath, and chasten me not in your burning anger. For your arrows have sunk deep into me, and your hand has pressed down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities are gone over my head. As a heavy burden, they weigh too much for me. My wounds grow foul and fester because of my folly. I am bent over and greatly bowed down. I go mourning all day long, for my loins are filled with burning. And there is no soundness in my flesh. I am benumbed and badly crushed. I groan because of the agitation of my heart. Lord, all my desires before you, and my sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails me, and the light of my eyes, even that has gone from me. My loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague, and my kinsmen stand afar off. Those who seek my life lay snares for me, and those who seek to injure me have threatened destruction, and they devise treachery all day long. But I, like a deaf man, do not hear. And I am like a mute man who does not open his mouth. Yes, I am like a man who does not hear. And in those and in whose mouth are no arguments. For I hope in you, O Lord. You will answer, O Lord my God. For I said, may they not rejoice over me, who, when my foot slips, would magnify themselves against me. For I am ready to fall, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I confess my iniquity, I am full of anxiety because of my sin. But my enemies are vigorous and strong, and many are those who hate me wrongfully. And those who repay evil for good, they oppose me, because I follow what is good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, do not be far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Um, yes. 38.2, the figure of arrows vividly shows how painful was David's suffering, as described in verses 5-8. through eight. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I've got, the psalmist describes the physical aspects of his suffering, including festering wounds, lack of health, sense of being feeble and crushed, and he attributes the suffering to his own foolishness. He brought it on himself. Um, verse 11, my loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague, and this says plague. The word is used of leprosy, indicating that David's friends avoided him as if he were a leper. I was actually talking today about how I really want to write a book or an essay or whatever on how Christians can respond better when people have like crisis or like really hard situations. Mm, and when I went through my thing, yeah, I've got like two or three, two or three other people that are like, can I write something for it? Wow. So I think we might actually do a little collection. That'd be cool. Um, but I said how when I went through losing David, because it was like a taboo thing, mm-hmm. I that's what I really felt like. Mm. People saw the girls and I at church, and people would just look at us kind of like, Ugh. they the just w- come up and say, I don't know what to say. Yeah. If you ever, whoever's listening, if you don't know what to say when somebody's going through something hard, say, I'm not sure what to say but I'm here or say, I can't imagine how you feel. I mean, that's all it takes. People don't know what to say. It's not something we're trained on. Yeah. There's plenty of stuff in the Bible about weep with those Amen. who weep and Amen. time for mourning. You bet. You bet. Yeah. It's just our awkwardness. Anyway, I, I'm not saying I could understand like the extent of what David went through, but it sucks when you feel like when your friends are aloof from you. Yeah. And kinsmen stand far, far off. Yeah. All right. And then 13 through 14, David does not defend himself against his enemies' accusations. And 22, David sensed as if he were to be rescued. God must do it soon. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. I felt like that before. I mean, I have felt that way before. And uh, I've shared with you, you know, a few years ago, before you and I met, I had a what I call the dark night of my soul. I had this sudden amazingly heavy thing fall upon me and I could say that was my prayer hurry to help me O Lord my salvation I called a few guys to have them pray it with me and just just keep me safe because something strange was happening and um, I didn't know if I was going to make it through the night it just was so dark so heavy and I just kept praying short 911 prayers. And I fell asleep in my chair in my living room. I woke up there and that feeling was gone by the morning. And it felt like my spirit was at battle. It was very strange. I have never experienced that before. Don't want to do that again. Where are we going next, babe? Um, did we already read Daniel 8? Oh my goodness. Uh, give me a little heads up, I think so. Guys, we don't actually... I still keep track of it like, uh, you know, check. Well, actually, we do check it off, but um, sometimes we don't. Go for it. Maybe I messed this up because we should be reading eight. Oh, we did read the small horn. I believe so. Okay. Because we should be reading nine. Okay. Okay. We read the small horn last time. Okay. Nine and ten. All right. Daniel chapter nine. We're going to keep moving through this. We're in the first year of Darius. Here we go. Uh, in the first year of Darius, the son of Assyrius, from the offspring of the Medes, who became the king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans in the first year of his kingship. I, Daniel, observed in the scrolls the number of years uh, 
that it was that were to be fulfilled according to the word of Yahweh to Jeremiah the prophet for the devastation of Jerusalem. Seventy years is what Daniel observed. Our boys are together right there. Then I turn my face to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and pleas for mercy in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to Yahweh my God and I made confession and I said, O Lord, great and awesome God, keeping the covenant and the loyal love, the chesed, with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned. And we have done wrong, and we acted wickedly, and rebelled, and have been turning aside from your commandments and from your ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, and on us is open shame. Woe! Just as it is this day to the people of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far off in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of their infidelity, which they displayed against you. Yahweh, on us is open shame, on our kings, on our princes, and on our ancestors, because we have sinned against you. Compassion and forgiveness belong to the Lord our God. For we have rebelled against him, and we have not listened to the voice of Yahweh our God. For by following his law, which he placed before us, by the hand of his servants, the prophets. And all Israel transgressed your law, and turned aside, so as not to listen to your voice. And so the curse and the oath, which was written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out upon us, because we have sinned against him. And so he has carried out his words, which has spoken to us and against our rulers and ruled us to bring upon us a great calamity, which was not done under all of heaven as it was done in Jerusalem. For as it is written in the law of Moses, all of this calamity has come upon us and we have not implored the face of Yahweh, our God, so as to turn from our iniquities and to attend closely to your faithfulness. Wow. So Yahweh has kept watch over the calamity, and now he has brought it upon us. Indeed, Yahweh our God is righteous concerning all his works for that he has done. But we have not listened to his voice. And now, Lord our God, we have brought your people out from the land of Egypt with a strong hand. Oh, Lord God, who have brought your people out with a strong hand? And you have made yourself a name until this day. We have sinned. We have acted wickedly. Lord, according to all your righteousness, please let your anger and your rage turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. Because through our sins, through the iniquity of our ancestors, Jerusalem and your people have become an object of mockery among all of the neighbors. And now listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. Shine your face upon your desolate sanctuary for your sake. O Lord, incline your ear, my God, and listen. Open your eyes and look at, your desol at our desolation and the city that is called by your name. For we are not presenting our pleas for mercy before you, 
because of our righteousness, but rather because of your great compassion. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, pay heed and act. You must not delay for your sake. My God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Now I was still speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, presenting my plea before Yahweh, my God, on behalf of the holy mountain of my God. And I was still speaking in prayer, and the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision previously, in my weariness, he touched me at the time and uh, of the evening offering. And he instructed me, and he spoke with me, and he said, Daniel, I've come now, I've now come out to teach you understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and now I have come to declare it. For you are highly esteemed, and so consider the word and understand the vision. Seventy weeks is decreed for your people and for your holy city to put an end to the transgression and to seal up the sins, uh, sin and to make atonement for guilt and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal vision and profit and to anoint the most holy place. And you must know and you must understand that from the time of the going out of the word then to restore and build Jerusalem until an anointed one, a leader, will be seven weeks and 72 weeks. It will be restored and will be built with streets and a moat and in a time of oppression. And after the 60 and two weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and he shall have nothing. And the people of the coming leader will destroy the city and the sanctuary and its end will be with the flood and on to the end there shall be no war. I'm sorry, there shall be war. Uh, these desolations are determined and he will make a strong covenant with them, with the many for one week. And in half of the week, he will let cease sacrifice and offering and in its place, a desolation, abomination comes even until the determined, complete destruction is poured out on the desolator. We have got to read earlier. <laughs> this is so much to take in. I know it is so much to take in. Um, I could pause it that we just hit pause here. No, you sure? I don't want to, but I'm just I don't yeah. have it in me to like get it really. Oh really no, no, that's on fine. This, I think. Let me just do just a quick cursory on it. If you don't mind, I'll just read my commentary. Okay. okay. So it's really fast. I'm not going to go verse by verse. Just a couple points I want to I want to share. Um, a lot of people get hung up on the times of this and start going all kind of prophetic. So Daniel is interceding. We kind of get this. One thing I want to point out, this is really super cool. I was sharing with my class today about prayer. That was our Bible study. So this is really good that the Lord would have us go into this. We get a, a glimpse of that time Daniel got thrown into the lion's den. We just read about that. And his three times a day, he would pray. Guys, this is one of those times. This is what it's like to be a fly on the wall when Daniel's praying to Yahweh. This is exactly what he's praying. So we can actually surmise that a lot of his prayers sounded like this. Mm -hmm. These, this was a massive prayer of repentance. He was owning the sin of not just his current nation of Israel in exile, but up until this time, he was pleading for forgiveness for the history of Israel. I think that's important. That's why we see in verse 3, fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. 
he was showing his devastation, his humility, and even the shame of being an Israelite for the sin that they've caused against Yahweh. He was grieving over it. That's really important to note here. I have yet to wear sackcloth and ashes when I have prayed to the Lord. I have indeed, you know, fasted, but man, Daniel takes us to the best level. Okay, um, loyal love is chesed. If you ever wonder what that looks like in English, it looks like cheesed with one S. Um, let's see here. I just want to move down here. We know all about the sins of Israel. I'm going to move past that. Not listening to the voice of Yahweh is important. Um, more of the repentance moving down. I want to just get to um, our times. Where are we at? Um, oh, when Daniel shows up, I mean, when uh, Gabriel shows up, verse 20 to 23, while Daniel is still praying, this is so cool, he's in the middle of his prayer, and he feels a touch on his shoulder. Gabriel's there. I just love that. Hey, Daniel, how's it going, man? He announces his mission and God's favor on Daniel. Oh, it's so cool. Could you just imagine? I, I don't, oh, guys, can you imagine if that's you? God bless you so much. You are in such deep prayer with the Lord every day that, man, he's going to send an angel to touch you on the shoulder and say, you're awesome. Verse 21, uh, Gabriel is identified as an angel. Luke uh, 1, we're going to see him again. He has the form and the appearance of a human. So he's not glowing. Wings are not flying. Fire is not on top of his head. He looks like a dude. Um, I think that's really important. And um, so a lot of people get all caught up in, I saw an angel. Well, how do you know? Oh, he looked like an angel. Um, biblical angels really look like dudes when you see them interacting with humans almost exclusively. Uh, that's kind of important. So people who get caught up in angelology, angel worship, all sorts of angel things, stop it. They're just messengers from God. They're not to be worshipped. Okay. Uh, 24 to 27. Gabriel elaborates on the word and vision in verse 23. He tells Daniel what God has decreed, a set time frame for judgment that will be not altered at all. Uh, do, do, do. In chapter 7, Daniel learned about the rise and fall of four kingdoms. Remember that? We'd read that last uh, time around. So here in chapter 9, Daniel gets a glimpse into the desolating actions of the one previously identified as the little horn. And that sets up the final vision for chapters 10 through 12. Little Horn's going to get busy. This prophecy about the seven, seven, 77s or the 70 weeks, it's notoriously difficult. I'm reading verbatim. Notoriously difficult to understand. The main interpretive issue is identifying the time when the prophecies will be fulfilled. And the most common suggestions relate to the fulfillment in the time of Antiochus, the time of Christ, the destruction of the second temple in AD 70. Or, if that's not good enough for you, it's about an unspecified time in the future. And in any attempt and interpretation, you've got to grapple with the text message for Daniel's original audience, and that is the Jews in exile. That is so important when you read this. The original audience, the Jews in exile, you've got to wrestle with that. The book of Daniel and the prophets, the prophecies contained in it, it's hope literature. It's meant to inspire Hope to us, even today, reading today in 2021, looking back on it. Um, 
I just want to end it right there. I just wanted to touch on that time. And there's plenty more to touch on. We'll just keep going. All right. Shall I read chapter 10? Okay. So, more of Daniel's vision. Here we go. Chapter 10. In the third year of Cyrus, the king of the Persians, a word uh, or message, well, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was called by his name, his Babylonian name, Belshazzar. And the word was reliable, and it concerned a great tribulation. And he understood the word, the message, and he received understanding of the message. So not only was he given a message from God, he was given also what it means. In those days, Daniel, I myself, Daniel, was in mourning for three whole weeks. I had not eaten any choice food. I had not eaten choice meat, no wine did enter my mouth, and I did not use any ointment until the end of the three whole weeks. Today that would be that he didn't bathe. He didn't eat anything but just the basic bland stuff that you have to eat. And then on the 24th day of the first month, I myself was on the bank of the great river, the Tigris. And I lifted up my eyes. I looked up and I saw that there was a man and he was dressed in linen and his waist was girded with the gold of Uphaz. Now his body was like turquoise and his face, let me get into my note there, or yellow jasper or other gold colored stones the exact identity of the ancient precious stones is difficult to nail down here. It wasn't blue. He was kind of a bronzish yellowish. And his face was like the appearance of lightning glowing. And his eyes were like torches of fire. His arms and his legs were like the gleam of polished bronze. And the sound of his words was like the sound of a multitude. And I saw, I, Daniel, alone saw the vision and the people who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great trembling fell on them, and they fled in order to hide themselves. And I myself, Daniel, alone saw this great vision. And as a result, no strength was left in me. And my complexion grew deathly pale, and I did not retain my strength. I think he basically passed out. Verse 9, And I heard the sound of his words, Stranger across the river, and when I heard the sound of his words, I myself began falling into a trance on my face, with my face to the ground. And look, a hand touched me, and it roused me to my knees, and the palms of my hands. So now I'm on, my, I'm on all fours. And the voice said to me, Daniel, a man beloved, pay attention to the words that I am speaking to you. Stand upright where you are, for I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking with me, this word, this message, I stood up and I was trembling, I was shaking. And he said to me, you must not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I myself have come because of your words during that three weeks of fasting is what we're referring to here. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, Oh, this is a big deal. Unseen realm stuff. The prince of the kingdom of Persia stood before me, Gabriel, for 21 days. And look, Michael, one of the chief princes, finally Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I left him there beside the king of the Persians. And I've come to instruct you about what will happen to your people in the future. 
uh, for there is further vision here for the future. And while he was speaking with me, according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and I was speechless. Then look, there was one in the form of a human. He touched my lips and I opened my mouth and I spoke and I said to the one standing before me, my Lord, because of the visions, my anxieties fell upon me and I have not retained my strength. For how am I, a servant of the Lord, to speak with you, my Lord? And just now I have no strength in me. And he again touched me, the one in the form of a human, and he strengthened me. And he said, You must not fear, O beloved man. Peace be to you. Be strong and be courageous. And when he spoke with me, I was strengthened. And I said, Let my Lord speak, for you have come and strengthened me. And then he asked, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I return to fight against the prince of Persia. And I myself am going. And look, the prince of Havan, or Javan, and that is Greece, the prince of Greece, will come. However, I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. And there is not one who contends with me against these beings, except for Michael, your prince. Take a minute. Just think about this. We are looking at a very interesting passage of Daniel giving us part two of what it means to really press in on prayer. A fast of a type was pressing him into a place of just interceding for all of Israel again, looking for an answer from the Lord. And again, the Lord wouldn't just be enough to put an impression on his heart, but to actually send an angel to him. Now, scholars do uh, have a, and I tend to align with this, by the way, that the guy on the other side of the river that only Daniel could see would be a Christophany or an early image of the pre-incarnate Jesus. But that was not the one who touched his lips on this side of the river. If you notice, Daniel just kind of passed out and the person on the other side he was looking at was glorified. Much like probably what the disciples would see at the Mount of Transfiguration. Thought? Anybody want to email that to me? Because the person standing next to Daniel, when he comes to, is able to actually touch Daniel and is not glowing. Looks like a dude. The other one did not quite look like just a dude, did he? It's kind of a big deal. Um, I mean, his complexion, kind of glowy. Um, you can compare that description, Revelations one fourteen, and Revelations one fifteen. You can actually see a very similar look, and perhaps John is actually drawing on this very uh, Daniel passage as well. So that's pretty important to to make uh, make a connection with as well. So we have crushed through our portion of Daniel there. And I am going to bid you all a good night. And we are going to pick this up again. I am a guy saying good night with my bride as we have read you the Bible. Now, I know we haven't touched on the New Testament this time around. Forgive us. Um, but it's late. And we're going to pick it up at another time. Thank you so much, guys. We pray a blessing over you and over your, your people. That you may continue to press into the Word of God. Remember... When you are together and you are reading the Word of God, you're drawing closer to His heart. If you have any questions or comments or stories, please email us, Andrea in Mark A 
at gmail.com. A-N-D-R-E-A, the letter N-M-A-R-K-A, at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And we want to thank you so much for putting up with us. We're not professionals at this on purpose. We're just like you. We're just regular folks. And we just want to encourage you. Please press into the Word of God. You will never be the same. I promise you that.